Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan. Sherelle, it's always good to do these podcasts after a 30-point win. Carolina rolls Boston College in the Smith Center 96-66. to We can talk about a lot, Sherelle, but just your thoughts overall. I think it's a game Carolina very much needed. So, yeah, I definitely think it was a good win for, for Carolina. Uh, one of the things that I think people need to realize we talk all the time about how uh, there's you know no easy wins in the ACC and the ACC is such a t- tough conference. At the same time, we can't dis- discount by saying, oh, well, Boston College isn't a great team. So any win for North Carolina in the ACC, considering how um, it played the last two games, was a good one. And I think in addition to the win, I think Roy Williams is going to be pretty pleased with how they played. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if you look at Luke May, you say he had a great game, but Let's don't start there. Let's start with this small lineup. And I think I saw where Greg tweeted um, on the Inside Carolina account that the last time Roy Williams went this small starting lineup was back when P.J. Harrison got his first start, I think, what, four years ago maybe. Um, But they started Luke May as the biggest guy out there, Luke and Cam Johnson really. Barry Williams, Pinson, May, and Johnson, the quote-unquote death lineup, starts the game. Your thoughts when you saw that roll out there? Uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, eventually this would come. Um, usually Coach Williams waits until the end of January, early February to make these kind of moves. I think I think at least once over the last, each of the last four years, typically around the time they play Boston College, uh, North Carolina makes a change. They did it last year, two years ago, um, Justin Jackson's freshman year. Um, they did it when Coach Williams had to, the, the incident up in Boston College um, when he couldn't finish the game. So it's something that he, he typically does. But like I said, usually it's a, it's a couple of weeks from now into the season. Um, but, you know, this is right now, these are North Carolina's best five players. And at some point you have to get your, your most talented five on the court. And it's what we've been talking about on podcasts and in columns and in stories for, it feels like months now, but that's the dilemma for UNC is that their five best players are, you know, for the most part, perimeter oriented. And, to get them on the court, they would have to kind of sacrifice or it was perceived they would have to sacrifice some of the things that Roy Williams likes to do, specifically rebounding and scoring in the paint. But, you know, it's one game and uh, it's still a small sample size despite this group playing together um, at other points uh, during the year. But they rebounded really well and they scored in the paint a lot. So I think it's a good thing for UNC. Uh, cautiously optimistic because, you know, some of the flaws will, will trickle in as the team, as this unit gets more time together. But for now, it's it's been stellar. Yeah, it's all about matchups and uh, cautiously optimistic after this one. And I'll give you credit. You were trying to calm the masses after the Virginia game, saying it is Virginia. Uh, and Virginia is certainly a different animal. But Carolina – comes out against Boston College in the smaller lineup, rebounds, uh, out-rebounds Boston College for the game, 58-23, to which I I can't say I've seen too many margins that big, especially in conference play. That's got to be close to a record. But your thoughts on the aggressiveness, really. And I didn't think they really attacked Virginia like they should have. They came out, they made sure that was not an issue. Against a Boston College team, that's pretty good. Um, and beat Duke a month ago. So your thoughts on that aspect? Yeah, and I want to go back to that because you're, you're talking about how we were saying, oh, it's, you know, it was Virginia. And it was a great team. 
people are going to have the tendency to look at the score, look at the team and say, oh, it was BC. But there was a graphic during the game. BC has played either beaten or played a lot of the top ACC teams very closely. So this wasn't just some easy win for Carolina. Just This isn't the old BC. This is a BC team that can compete because it now has some talent. Just want to reiterate that, that this is not just some random lopsided win. Carolina beat a very solid team. As far as everything else goes, you know, I, I think they Roy Williams talked about how on Saturday there were going to be tweaks, how he was disappointed with the energy and that lineup just switching things up a little bit. It seems to always give people kind of a renewed energy. And what was if you're a Carolina supporter, what was great about it was the spacing on the court. It was the court was wide open and you have Theo Pinson and Joel Berry, Julie Felton got in there a little bit. Kenny Williams just driving into the paint and just really doing whatever they wanted to do. So they actually scored in the paint very, very well. I think it was maybe 10 or 11 minutes into the game before they hit the first three. And, uh, you know, Luke May was tremendous. There was just more energy, I think, for the team because they knew that they really needed this win. Let's go ahead and talk about Luke May. Now, Virginia, I mean, uh, excuse me, Boston College doesn't have the interior bigs like some other schools do, but he certainly – was as aggressive as he's been in the last several weeks. Goes for 32 and 18. If Boston College hadn't rolled over there, I I thought he could have 40 and 20, which would have been just ridiculous. But 32 and 18, 15 boards on the defensive side sort of limited anything Boston College was trying to do there. But his play, I mean, he's been up and down. It's a matchup issue for Luke May. It's always going to be. But I was surprised to see how – how much he took advantage of the matchup advantage he had tonight. It's something we've talked about on the podcast a couple of times, Tommy. We said Joe Barry and Luke May, they were pressing because they realized offensively they had to kind of carry the load. And I think you saw that kind of come maybe not to a climax against Virginia, but it was certainly one of those moments where I think Luke realized he was trying to trying to do too much. He was thinking too much. And today, I think Mike Jaminski nailed it on the uh, Raycon broadcast. He said, Luke May's not thinking. He's just playing. He's just being aggressive. And it looked like it, too. The shots, he didn't hesitate. Even some of the more difficult ones, the fadeaways, um, some of the drives, it just looked like he was, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to score. It, it showed, again, three-level scoring from Luke. I mean, he scored close to the basket. It's it's always, like you said, going to be not a struggle, but it's always going to be difficult for him because of some of the challenges he has. But he scored from close to the basket. He scored from mid-range. And then he was just taking some some very wild threes that were going in. you know. Uh, and I think he's earned War Williams' trust in practice and in games that he can take and make those shots. So he was tremendous, great on 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 the board. So he really did everything you, you'd ask for uh, from Luke May. And it, we haven't said it in a while because, you know, he's had a few down games, but it continues to be just really a tremendously amazing insert adjective here story that Luke May, you know, is the first Carolina player. I think ESPN stats and info tweeted it out. He's the first Carolina player to have at least 30 and 15 in a home game since Antoine Jameson. And if anyone, anyone would have said, Oh, Luke May is going to do things that only Antoine Jameson's done in the last 20 years to you four months ago. You looked at them like they were crazy. So we cannot downplay this. Like this is continues to be just an amazing story. Indeed it does. Uh, somebody asked about his shot chart. And, and like you mentioned, it's all three levels. He drove it. He pulled up. The fade away from the corner. Then the corner three when he was about out of bounds on the baseline. I mean, until you stand on the basketball court, in that position and see how tough a shot that is. 
and, and he just several heat check threes. He certainly made a couple of those uh, to finish with the 32 and 18. I thought Cameron Johnson, I said it last week uh, on this show that I thought maybe he was a little tentative and not really going as hard to the basket, but he, again, if you told me he'd had 14 and 11 and didn't hit a three, I didn't think that was possible. But your thoughts on his game tonight? He He's one, <clears throat> when we talked to him over the summer, um, we asked him because, you know, he's 6'8", and we knew that these challenges were going to present themselves in North Carolina as far as size and everything. We asked him and we said, you know, have you ever played the four before? He said, no, I've been really a three and most of the time a two. So he didn't have that kind of knack to go rebound and kind of get his hands dirty. And I think tonight, um, even though he was at the three most of the time, maybe sometimes he's at the four, it gets confusing <laughs> with the way they're playing. Even regardless of whatever his position was, he was going to the boards hard. I mean, he had, I think Ross uh, Martin tweeted out, he had like six rebounds in the first seven or eight minutes. So he was going to the glass hard and really getting in there. And that's what North Carolina is going to need. If they're going to play the small lineup, they have to make up for the rebounding, you know, that they would normally get from their big guys. And Johnson and Pinson are the main guys who are going to have to kind of clean things up. And if he can, you know, I don't expect 11 rebounds from him every game. I think that matched a, a personal high for him, a career high in rebounds. You don't expect that every game, but if he can be, you know, six or seven rebounds and if Luke May can be around 10 and Theo Pinson can be around five or six and Kenny Williams can be around four or five, then the, the small lineup is something that could last the rest of the season because it really is potent um, offensively and very difficult for opposing teams to defend regardless of athleticism, size, all those things, just because all those guys are very skilled and four of them are excellent shooters. Um, and it's it's just uh, it's hard for a defense to handle all that. It puts a lot of stress on a defense, and you saw what happened. It opened up driving lanes for everybody. Cam Johnson, 14-11, five assists, one steal, no turnovers. That's a big deal. Theo Pinson, eight and eight, five assists, no turnovers. That's a big deal, especially for Theo, who's been struggling. I thought he looked as comfortable as he has in the last two, three weeks. Yeah, that, that triple-double's coming. I, I still believe it. I know he's only got you know, a maximum of like 20 games left if Carolina makes a deep run or something like that. Um, but I, I still think he's going to get it because he's he's close. And some of these games where he's close, maybe Carolina's up 20 or 25. So they dial it back a little bit. But I do think it's coming for him. And we talked about it again after Virginia. He is he makes the engine go, so to speak, because Joel Berry is the lead guard. He is the leader of the team. He's the rock. He's all those things. But uh, Pinson just has something about finding people, about getting people the ball um, that really no one else on the team has outside of Jaleek Felton. And when he's engaged and when he's doing, you know, Theo things, <laughs> crossing people up and scoring and dishing and making behind the back passes, then Carolina's a much better team. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about Joe Barry. There's really not any need to. They win by 30 and Barry 13 and three rebounds, three assists, shot the ball, eh, four for 13, but he's always going to be there. Kenny Williams, four for 11 for 10. He also had two rebounds, three assists. Before we get off on some of the Twitter questions right quick, Sterling Manley, I mean, that guy is going to be really, really good for North Carolina. Yeah, you, you see it. Uh, we, we've again. I, I'm not trying to say things over and over again, but these themes keep coming back. Is that we said before that 
the thing about the freshman bigs are they were going to be very inconsistent. One game, it may not look they be- like they belong in Division One basketball. The next game, you look at him and say, man, is is this kid going to be here more than three years? And I, I think that's kind of what you were getting from Sterling. He was he showed how just how massive he is. He's I don't know if people have ever like stood in front of him. He's just a huge person, and he has a huge wingspan, and he's starting to use that on some of the blocks. Um, there are a couple of the dunks where it didn't look like he was close enough to dunk the ball, and then you see it go down, and you just see the the potential that he has, and that when he improves his conditioning, like he knows he has to do, and get some strength. You know, there was a a dunk he tried, kind of like a little reverse dunk, that you know next year I guarantee you he makes that play. It's just that he's a guy who's you know. Uh, a year and change removed from a couple of serious leg injuries who's still, you know, finding his way back and he's up a level in competition. So I, Sterling, uh, I think he's going to really do some good things for North Carolina. I think Garrison Brooks is too. Brooks is kind of an unsung hero because he doesn't really put up any numbers at all, but he does what coach Williams asked him to do. He's a very good defensive player and he's getting much better at finishing around the rim <clears throat> when he gets, uh, you know, uh, passes, you know, like from Joel Barry or for Theo Pinson that lead to easy dunks. So the thing I think Carolina fans need to remember about those guys is not dissimilar from when uh, Marcus Page came to North Carolina. He expected to sit for a year behind Kendall Marshall, kind of learn how to be a Carolina point guard and learn how to play for Coach Williams and all that stuff. And then Kendall Marshall unexpectedly left after a sophomore year and Page was thrust into there. Same thing with these two guys, um, specifically Manley and Huffman, because they signed when Tony Bradley no one you know, no one really knew at that point in the year when they signed uh, back last fall that Tony Bradley was going to be gone. So their plan was to come in, sit for a year, you know, be a reserve, kind of learn from Tony Bradley and then take over the reins as sophomore. So they're a year ahead of probably where they should be as far as playing time and being on the court. Um, so it's it's they're adjusting um, and they're having to adjust a little faster, I think, than they expected. But I, I still believe that you're going to get this kind of inconsistent play. One game, very good. One game, not bad. The next game, average, so on and so forth. And that they'll improve a lot over the summer. Yeah, and it's tough getting taken out of the starting lineup. But I thought Brooks looked more comfortable out there and less, not tentative maybe, but he looked more assertive overall to me coming off the bench than he had in the starting lineup, at least in ACC play. It seems like less pressure, right? I mean, you're not being counted on to to be a scorer. You come in, you kind of see what the flow of the game looks like, and then you can bring your, you know, you bring yourself in, you make a couple plays, you go back, you're able to look again. So instead of coming out and having that pressure of, of facing, uh, a part of it too is facing the other team's best players, um, he has that chance to kind of ease into the game, I think, and that's going to be helpful for him. All right, Carolina wins 96-66. Sherelle, before we go, let's look at these Twitter questions. They are usually funny. Uh, I'm going to ask Joey's question. <laughs> Favorite flavor of Powerade? And I consider Powerade kind of like the Mr. Pib of sport drinks because I'm a Gatorade guy, but what is it? Your Favorite well, see, flavor? Well, see, Joey's a professional troll. He knows that <laughs> I He knows that I hate Gatorade with – I mean, hate Powerade with a passion, so I would never drink Powerade. It's uh, G2 Orange is the drink of choice in the McMillan household. <laughs> That's a good one. See, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning on go. the job. There you uh, go. Mike Jaminski's bizarre choice of tie. I, I'll tell you this. When they showed him at halftime, I thought my screen glitched. <laughs> I, brutal, brutal tie. I, but, I, got, you know, I got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing on that one, man. <laughs> Let's go uh, – 
toughest road game left outside of Durham, my question would, or my response to that would be all of them. Yeah. Because winning on the ACC road is brutal. Your thoughts? Yeah, everyone saw that stat. I mean, they played it over and over um, during the UVA game that Carolina uh, has won, finished above 500 on the road in ACC play seven consecutive years, and that the other two schools, there's only other two other schools who had done it for one one year in a row. So it's it's very difficult. It's very hard. It's really hard to pick. So they have at Notre Dame, at Virginia Tech, at Clemson, at NC State, at Louisville, at Syracuse, and at Duke left. So – I mean, if you take out Duke, NC State is always a tough place to play. Um, and that team's going to have a ton of confidence after beating Duke at home. So that's not going to be an easy one. Virginia Tech is a, has a high-powered offense. Uh, they have some players. That's not going to be an easy one. Uh, even better North Carolina teams than this one have gone up there and, and struggled a little bit. At Notre Dame, North Carolina has not fared well there recently. Um, again, with teams with either comparable talent or better talent. Louisville and Syracuse, you know, not sure what Louisville is going to be by the end of the year. They have the talent. They could be a lot better, but you never know. But again, not a place that North Carolina has fared well. And then Syracuse is always a tough place to play, um, not only because of the fans and how many people are in there, but also because of that zone. So not to cheat, but they're like you said, they're all difficult. If you put a gun to my head and maybe pick one, I think that at Clemson one is going to be really tough because they are off to one of the best starts in school history. And, uh, you know, they have a lot going for them. They have some players. And that gym can get loud, you know, every once in a while. I remember the game back in 2001 when Carolina had, I think it was an 18-game winning streak and lost in Little John. It was crazy. So, you know, that kind of thing happens from time to time. So I, I think if you made me pick outside of Duke, I would say at Clemson. Yeah, that that game was the beginning of the end. Yeah, authority was, era because that's when it turned sideways all that went down that week and then that game and then the rest of it that was uh, the same day right random that was the same day dale earnhardt senior passed that oh, same sunday yep oh so you're a racing guy I, I, <laughs> i'm not it's been that long ago wow yeah. we are getting we are getting old let me yeah. ask you before we go one last question carolina travels to notre dame on saturday it's at six o'clock like you said, it's a tough place for Carolina to play. Do you think that for Notre Dame, uh, the shock of losing Bonzi Colson is out of their system? I, I know you, you know the the saying is you always can play well um, for a game or two when you lose one of your best players, but now they're a couple games in, three or four games into it. By the time Carolina gets there, your take on what Notre Dame team you think Carolina sees on Saturday? Yeah, the the shock is is definitely gone. Whether or not they've gotten used to playing without him is a different story. Uh, I think Notre Dame will be rocking, as they say. I think it'll be very loud in there on Saturday night. And they still have some good players. I mean, uh, Matt Farrell should be back. Um, they have a, a couple of freshmen who are really good. And they are able to play kind of a small lineup. They've done that to North Carolina in the past with Vistorias and some of those guys playing, you know, him at the four, playing Colson at the five, and basically having four four guys who can shoot in the center. So they are good at it. They're used to it. It's not something that's going to be new for them, um, especially on the defensive end. Uh, so it, I think Saturday could be a really high-scoring kind of fun game. And for North Carolina to win, it's going to have to be that same formula. They're going to have to rebound as a team. Uh, Luke May, you know, he's not going to, he doesn't have to get 32 for North Carolina to win, but Luke May has to play well. Him and Cam Johnson have to hit open shots. Kenny Williams just has to be Kenny Williams. He He's kind of rock solid. Nobody really talks about him because he just does the same thing every game. He'll give you 12 points. He'll make two or three threes. He'll give you good defense. He'll give you four rebounds and a couple assists. Like, 
book it every game the rest of the year you get that from Kenny Williams and then Joel Barry is going to have to keep doing what he's doing I would like to see him be a little more efficient he's he has a few kind of four for 13 six for 19 type games recently so I'd like to see him be more efficient and convert some of those layups that he's gotten he's missed a few of those over the last couple of games but that's something you know, he knows he needs to work on and something he'll definitely do. So Saturday will be tough. Um, I think Carolina definitely has a, a good chance to win the game, but they're going to have to be mentally strong when Notre Dame inevitably comes out and, you know, hits three or four threes and has a nice run on them. They'll have to withstand that and continue to play their game. Good stuff, Sherelle. Boston College rolls into the Dean Dome, leaves with a 30-point loss. Carolina moves to, I believe, 13-4 and four on the season. Heads to Notre Dame on Saturday. Sherelle, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem, Tommy. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.